Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the radio ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this current series, we've been going through Bob's article, God's Will and Christian Liberty. That is CIC issue number 75. And we've talked about God's revealed will. We've talked about God's providential will. And we've talked about Christian liberty. Last week, we took a little break from this article just to discuss this idea of special revelations from God and how they have to do with some people's idea of this perfect will of God that has to be found outside of Scripture. So if you missed that one, you'll want to go back and hear it. It's very important <laughs> for this next section. So let's pick up again then with Christian liberty. What happens when we make a decision that we were free to make, but it doesn't turn out so well? We learn something. We gain wisdom. That's true. See, the thing that we're making sure we don't get wrong is the idea that somehow if things don't turn out, then we must have sinned. And that's a sure sign that we were, quote, not listening to God. That's right. You know, all through Scripture, believers have hard times and God uses it for his purposes. And sometimes we see them in this lifetime and sometimes we don't. But we're not promised that all is just going to go well if we make the right choices. Yeah, in fact, I was just working on a sermon that uh, is going to be preached in a couple of weeks. And it has to do with raising children. And there's a citation of the fifth commandment about that it might be well with you. And, right. and so honor your father and mother. So the issue comes up with, different people reading that and trying to wonder what to learn. Does that mean the converse? In other words, if we go backwards and we see somebody that it didn't go well with, is that proof that they didn't honor God or they didn't obey their parents? Well, of course not. Well, we know, of course not, but not everybody does. Well, and that's true. So you and see a lot of finger pointing and recrimination and people who happen to have things go better or easier in life telling other people well you didn't do it right you uh, look at your, all your problems right so I, I was thinking about that for my sermon I think it's also appropriate for this particular radio broadcast or, or podcast or YouTube here and that is this if you look at the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, that's our topic today is wisdom. Yes. Especially if you look at Proverbs and Psalms. And you look at people praising God for his wonderful deeds and his person and his work and for answered prayer. But you also have to think about what about the lament literature? Right. Okay, the lament literature tells me something, and that tells me that for even those who are listening to God, so to speak, in the sense of really caring about what's right and true and doing things his way, whether those people are guaranteed a good outcome. But the lament shows us 
that that's not the case. Right. It, how often has David or another psalmist lamented that they loved God and served him, but yet wicked people rose up against them and all these miserable things happen. And so that's kind of the layout of the lament. But in the end, they end up praising God. Right. Nevertheless, I will praise thee. Amen. And so I'd say just looking at the wisdom literature and the lament in particular, we learn that when something goes badly or in an undesirable way, the answer isn't, well, I guess I wasn't listening to God. The answer is, I will praise thee no matter what. Right. Because we live in a fallen world and there are no guaranteed outcomes in this world. And also, let me say another thing. This is going to be something I'll address in that sermon. And that is, the other thing is, they also point to the end. Okay. So you have these cases in the Psalms, for example, where David or another psalmist will lament the prosperity of the wicked. Sometimes the wicked seem to get by with whatever it is they're doing. And in this life, anyhow, you don't see everybody fail that ever went out and did wickedness. Sometimes they get by with it quite nicely. And right. in the end, though, the psalmist ends up praising God. And also there are psalms where he says, but I perceive their end. There is a future judgment and we can't demand that everything works out uh, better in this life for us as proof that we're really using God's wisdom. Right. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And so these promises like raising up your children or honoring your parents and so on is telling us God's moral will about how we ought to proceed. Right. And when it says and it'll go well with you, that's not an ironclad cause and effect. And anything we know about it from the Old Testament, which is where Paul is citing, we know that it didn't always happen that way. Right. So it's a general promise that we're blessed by God. But it doesn't mean we won't go through difficulties and it doesn't mean we won't be attacked. And it, won't, it doesn't mean there can't be any undesirable outcomes. Right. And the same is true for the verses about parenting. We can train up our child in the way they should go. And when they grow old, they will not depart from it. That's a proverb. It's a general wise saying. But that doesn't mean that no Christian's child ever rebels if they raised their children in the wisdom and admonition of the Lord. Well, as a matter of fact, anybody that read the Old Testament would have to come to the conclusion that's not, not ironclad because many, right. if you just look at the kings and their sons, yeah, there'd be a righteous yeah. king and a wicked son. And yeah, it, over it, and over and over. Over and over. And not only that, and this is something I was just looking up. I haven't preached on it probably for decades but I'm okay. going to include this as an application in a future sermon, is Ezekiel 18. Okay, let's talk about that. Let me just read Ezekiel 18, 1 and 2. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, what do you mean by using this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, the fathers eat the sour grapes, 
but the children's teeth are set on edge. Okay. So there's a complaining about, well, it's not fair, it's not right. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, then you go through this entire chapter, which is 32 verses, and it's basically saying people are responsible. If they rebel against the moral law of God, they're responsible and they're accountable right. to God. And if you have a father, for example, who's wicked and rebellious and won't listen to God, and you're the son, and you say, no, this isn't right, I won't be like that. I'm going to serve God by his grace and live differently. God will bless you for that. Right. So it's really a rejection of determinism. And yes. it also has within it, if you just want to study Ezekiel 18, a call to repent, all right? Rather than trying to complain to God that he's not fair, let's just get some wisdom and realize that God has given a valid call for everyone to come to Christ, to turn to God, to have their sins forgiven, and to live for him by his grace. And right. it, it ends up laying that out. So it really is a rebuke to all kinds of determinism and also the lack of wisdom to people that think they can judge somebody else based on symptoms and outcomes. That is true. You didn't do it right. Yeah. You didn't do and it right I'm just look at your kids or whatever. Yeah. Or look at your what kind of car you're driving or looking at what kind of job you have or anything else they want to judge. Here, let me just finish that by reading verses 30 to 32 in Ezekiel 18. A little preview okay. for the people that come to our church or watch our sermon podcast or Gospel of Grace. I'm going to include this in a future sermon. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, each according to his conduct, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn away from all your transgressions so that iniquity may not become a stumbling block to you. Cast away from you all your transgressions which you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? 32, look at this. For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord God. Therefore, repent and live. And so, so the I call cite, is to repent. Yeah, and it, I cite that to people who claim that God's eternal decrees and the doctrine of election imply determinism or fatalism. And I just say, no, here's what it says. But notice right. that God uses means because in that passage, he says, make for yourself a new heart. Right. Now, who can do that? As if we could. Yeah, obviously we cannot. Right. Okay. No. Or as it says in Deuteronomy, circumcise your heart. Well, how can you do that? But then later, it says, God says, I will circumcise your heart. So the it only one that can, when we repent and believe. Right. Only one that can give a new heart is God. So in the, even in this section, when you look at the mess and you're complaining about it, God says, repent and live, make yourself a new heart. You're going, I can't do it. Well, then you cry out to God. Right. It's a means. It's a means for us to put faith in God 
and quit telling him that his ways aren't right based on our judgment of the outcome and trust him and serve him even if the outcome doesn't seem all that desirable, at least in this life. Amen. And almost always, for sure, if you look at the fruit of the Spirit and things like that, the outcome is better. We may not be richer than somebody, but nobody can take the joy of the Lord away from us. Right. Nobody and, can and rob us of the joy of salvation. Through, that's what gets us through our trials, which I think then actually brings us to James 1, which you quote in your article when you begin discussing God's wisdom. Right. So I made a statement that I'd like to okay. use, and then I'll have you read that, okay? All right. Sounds good. The statement was this. We never actually fail when we exercise Christian liberty. We just learn and discover more about God's mysterious providence. That is excellent. We fail when we transgress God's moral law, but we don't fail when we exercise our liberty. Right. And as we make our choices, God's... Uh, providential will is unfolding. But one thing we do is gain wisdom. And that's, if you could read that, Jessica, James 1, 5 and 6. All right. James 1, 5 and 6. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. James 1, 5 and 6. So does this mean that if we ask God, he will give us a personal revelation that will tell us what to do? No, it means we will receive wisdom. And right. wisdom is a general outlook and attitude toward life that's grounded in faith in God and trust in his promises and his providence. Okay? Yes. And we'll look later at the sidetrack of, of jealousy or bitterness. But when we start comparing our situation with somebody else, that's where we start getting into trouble. Right. That's where the doubting comes in. So we ask God for wisdom. That is not just do this instead of that, and you'll get a better outcome. Buy this stock, not that stock, or something like any, any decision we might make. It's about okay. not doubting God's kindness, his goodness, his providence that is for the good of, of those who are called and uh, that God is going to take care of us. And so the doubting is doubting God and his character and his revealed will. It's not that we doubted that we really are going to get the, the job that we wanted. Okay. In other words, the false teachers say you need to believe specifically and tell God or only confess the specific thing that you really want. I confess that I will have that job I applied for. And right. God is going to give it to me and I'll speak nothing negative about it. And then if it doesn't come through, well, then I guess we didn't have enough faith. Oh, that is such a common teaching, though. You don't have to spend but five minutes on Facebook, and you're going to see that out there. Well, it's false. 
And it's not it what James is talking about in regard to wisdom. Okay. And having one job or another that are legitimate jobs is part of our liberty. Applying for jobs is part of our liberty. But which one we get is part of God's providence, and that's only revealed as history unfolds. We don't right. know it in advance. The word of faith teaching, which we just described, is putting man in charge of providence. It is, which is a terrible idea. Well, it's actually blasphemous. Yes. God's in charge of providence. God determines the outcome, not man. So they don't trust God, but they trust their own faith as if they knew better than God what the outcome is supposed to be. And often they'll claim that God needs us to tell him. We have to claim it. If we aren't no. clear, if we don't claim it, if we accept negativity, then all these bad things are happening to us and it's our fault. Okay, well, they've got bad categories. All learning is about categories. Yeah. And see, as we know the Bible and understand biblical categories and have solid theology, that's part of how we gain wisdom. But when your categories are wrong, you don't gain wisdom, you gain confusion. And, and the yeah. people who make negative and positive uh, valid categories have bad categories. Right. It's not negative and positive. It's faith in God and trusting his providence versus unbelief that demands that we get our own way and putting ourselves in charge. Yep. Faith is trusting God. Unbelief is trusting man. In Jeremiah 17, blessed is the man who trusts in God. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. I think those are verses 7 and 9. I think we've covered that before. But see, this, this idea that you've got to tell God what the outcome is supposed to be and never confess anything else and never believe anything else your faith is in your desired outcome rather than having trust in God's loving providential care that will get us to the right place at the right time. If the wrong object of your faith. Right. And so therefore it's trusting man rather than okay. God. And that's not good. Just go read Jeremiah 17. Okay, so asking in faith without doubting doesn't mean asking for a specific outcome that we can't know whether or not will happen uh, because there are multiple outcomes that could happen. The one we end up with is God's providential will and we should thank him and, and go forward in faith. It's doubting God's character. Right. Doubting that God cares for us and even if we go through trials, he'll take care of us. And I, in my article, I cited, and we won't have time to cover all this, but I cited Paul uh, trying to go to Thessalonica and Satan hindering him, so he just goes somewhere else. Right. He didn't think that was his failure of He was free to faith. go preach the gospel somewhere else, too. Yeah, and then let God take care of it. Yes. In your article, you also mentioned the context of James 1. 
and the idea that this wasn't just asking for wisdom so that things will go well. It's asking for wisdom in the midst of trials. Yeah, exactly. So the trial's already yeah. there. Right. And so you're not looking backwards and thinking, uh oh, I didn't ask for the right thing. Right. You're well, already in the midst of the trial. You're in the trial, ask for wisdom. Let me just quote, quote from the article on page five. This is March, April 2003, CIC issue 75. If God allows a trial to test our faith and has a, a beneficent purpose in the trial, then we should ask God for wisdom that we may learn and grow in our trials. See, right. some people think if he would have done it right the first place, you wouldn't have a trial. Right. It's not wisdom to avoid trials. It's wisdom in the midst of trials. Yeah, and that we might learn from them. Yes. Okay. So the teachings of Scripture, having a biblical worldview, understanding the validity of Christian liberty, and that it's never a sin to exercise our choice within the framework of God's moral law, and if we have multiple choices, none of which would be sin, we can choose one, and that's fine. Then you go forward. Right. And if, and if a trial happens... We the outcome. Yeah, if we have a trial, then you ask God for wisdom. It's not recrimination, like beating yourself up, well, I didn't do it right. So in that uh, regard, here's something that I wrote on the third column of that page five. If you okay. have the PDF of the original publication, which you can download and print off of our website. So here's what I said. So wisdom is not God dictating moment by moment decisions by personal revelation. Wisdom is the application of biblically informed knowledge to life situation. Wisdom also often has less to do with making decision A versus decision B, but more to do with the type of attitude we have in making all decisions. Wow. That is really important. Yeah. See, we think, oh, I didn't get it right. Should have been here, not there. But James is saying, what sort of attitude do you have? Wow. Yeah. Are you going to praise God no matter what happens? And you're, are you going to continue to go forward, not um, having recrimination or thinking something's wrong? And if it goes really well, your attitude might be, see, I'm a great, pious, wonderful Christian, and everybody with a worse outcome compared to me is not very good at all. They're just kind of a failure as a Christian. That's, right. a, bad, that's a bad attitude. And James addresses that. Right. Do you want to Should read I that? Read James 3? Okay. Yeah, James, James 3, 3, 13 to 17, Jesse, if you could read that. Okay. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. 
For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. Amen. Thanks for reading it. Now, dear Liz, listeners and those who are here watching on YouTube, really think about this. What uh, James tells us about judging whether something's wise or not is not the success of the decision in terms of um, I got a great raise in my job, uh, my car doesn't break down, uh, everybody's happy with me. <laughs> the success or failure or wisdom or lack thereof is judging in terms of attitudes. That is so important and so easy to lose focus of. Yeah. So the, how do you know somebody doesn't have wisdom according to the Bible? They're full of jealousy and selfish ambition. Right. How much selfish ambition is paraded around as great faith if somebody gets their desirable outcome? That happens so often. It's very common. Yeah. So I think, again, failure to understand is based on having bad categories. Right. Knowing the Bible is about understanding the category. So that's how I wrote about it in this article. And I said this, I wish that issue is not the relative success of one's decisions in obtaining the desired outcome, but the motivations of the heart. It's a, it, all, it seems like it always comes down to a heart issue with, with so many things. Is our heart right? I just thought Has of God a, given us a new heart. I just thought of a illustration of that. And that's the okay. prophet Jonah. Oh, yes. If you want to think okay, about Jonah, illustration. he was one of the most successful evangelists of all times. Right. All of Nineveh repented. Yeah. Uh, the, the most vile, wicked enemies of God and of Israel. Jonah preached to them and they repented from the king on down to the least of them. Right. But Jonah... He had great success if you look at the outcome that any evangelist would want or prophet would want to see happen. Yeah. But the guy's attitude was bad, so he really didn't have wisdom. No, he went off in a funk. Yeah, he, he was bitter. Right. And, and, his, and his face was fallen, and God was saying, well, why are you like this? Remember he had a little vine grow up and give him some shade? Yep, and then it withers. And it withered. He said, well... And he was sad about that. And so then God said, well, you're sad about a vine that, that withered, but I just use you yeah. to reach a whole bunch of people. Right. Would you rather have but them his perish? his heart was hard and he didn't want those people to repent. Yeah. And so his lack of wisdom, it's interesting that Jonah's even in the Bible tells me that the Bible's inspired by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because it's part of the Jewish uh, prophets. Yeah. And it portrays the pagans in a great light and the Jewish prophet in a bad light. Right. And so the only reason it's in the Bible is because it really happened. Yeah. And God wants us to learn from it. And so 
Well, we need to learn, as we're running out of time here, really what we need to learn is that the categories are God's moral law that's revealed and staying within those boundaries by God's grace, repenting if we don't, and then the attitude that we have towards everything else, which is Christian liberty. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's part of providence. So it's not a sin to buy this sort of a thing or get that sort of a job, choose that sort of a person for a spouse if you're both Christians and things like that. And so in that regard, if we're not in a category of rebelling against God and we're not breaking his moral law, outcomes vary. A lot of different things happen. Right. God gave us real liberty and uh, because that's how he made his own creation and his own creatures. And we have the joy of making decisions and being right. part of this. Yep. And so and sometimes he allows us the liberty to do something that wasn't a sin, but was perhaps a bit foolish. And we learn from it. Well, it's not a sin to have regrets. Right. It, certainly, if we did sin, we should regret that. But what about if we have gr- regrets about how things went when we took certain actions and we could maybe have taken other actions? Yeah. It's not a sin. There's no. times that God, in an amph- anthropomorphic way, says, I regret. Yeah. Uh, we see that in the Old Testament here and there. Yeah, you see that in... The open theists who say that God doesn't know the future use those as proof texts that God doesn't really even know what was going to happen. Right. But But that's not the case. Yeah. And so we gain wisdom. Something good happens as we go forward and exercise our uh, freedom to choose things that are not sin. And... God's providence is taking us forward to glory. And as we conclude this series, I want to just reiterate, God is not expecting you to gain personal information about things he hasn't revealed. He's not asking you to hear some still small voice. Right. If you go to our last episode and some little inner unction, I should do this or that. But he's asking us to seek him for wisdom, to have attitudes that would be honoring to him, to avoid transgressing his moral law, and to rejoice and be thankful as we exercise our liberty in the areas in which he's given us freedom. Excellent. Amen. That is a great place to wrap up both this program and this series. So we are out of time for today. We want to remind you that you can access this program and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. And we want to remind all of you, as it says in Philippians 127, stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this has been Jessica Kramis and Bob DeWay, and we'll see you next week. Amen. We'll see you soon.